Hi, hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Omi. <laughs> and I'm Sarah. And welcome to episode 13 of What's Your Own? Uh, today is our Wine and Crime episode. And as the last episode that we did of this, Zara won, she picked the topic. May give I? Us a bit, yeah, give us a little breakdown. What did you pick? I picked Fetish Killers. Okay. This was actually quite hard because I feel like when I typed this in on Google, the most fetishes that came up was just someone with a shoe fetish yeah, that was wanted to kill. That's so weird, isn't it? There's quite a few like that, though, like Ed Brudos or whatever his name is. Yeah, and there was the other one in that killed his mum and his aunt who also had... Is it him? Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper. Did he, he not have... have a shoe fetish? No. Our knowledge of serial killers. The way we can just spit names. I know, it's weird, <laughs> isn't it? At least we're good at something. Yeah. Right, let's get into the podcast. Right. Um. So we're, just, we're going to be talking about fetish murders. We're not talking about them. We're going to have two cases. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start? Can you start? I don't mind starting. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay, cool. So, I was conflicted I think we were both the same in terms of going for someone quite well known and then going for someone quite obscure but I decided to go for someone well known purely because I love him I'm not gonna lie I find him so fascinating that's a weird thing to say but who is it so I decided to go for Ed Kemper my guy I don't know there's something about him I just find him so fascinating he is extremely smart and the way he played his murdered out so clever like literally so clever and all of that yeah he is very clever yeah so let me just jump straight into it sis okay so as i said i picked ed kemper the third who was a notarized serial killer rapist cannibal and necrophile wonderful he was nicknamed the co-ed killer as the majority of his victims were female college students um so if you recognise his name, it might be because he was one of the main focuses on the programme Mindhunter on Netflix. Um, he was the first criminal they interviewed for their research and he was kind of how they decided to carry on the research because they thought it was interesting and they could learn a lot. Um, so yeah, here we go. So he was born and raised in California and as most serial killers, he had a very disturbing childhood. And he displayed antisocial behaviour from an early age, including cruelty to animals, which is like one of the three triangle things, isn't it? Uh, triangle things. There's um, cruelty to animals. Wet in the bed. Is wet the bed one of them? Wet the bed. I think it's arson, like setting fire to things. Wet in the bed and cruelty to animals. As a child? Yeah. Where does, like, seeing abuse come in? Because I feel like that's also, like, a running theme. Like, this child... It is a running thing, but it's not in that, like, triangle. I think the abuse is, like, separate. Yeah. So, um, at the age of 10, he buried their pet cat, dug it up once it was dead, decapitated it, and then mounted the head on the spike. Just FYI, this is going to be a little bit graphic, both of them. Um, At the age of 13, he then killed another family cat, purely because he thought the cat liked his little sister Belle. I shouldn't laugh, but that's just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, 
So Kemper stated that as a young boy, he would take his father's bayonet, which is like a gun, I think, with like a sword on the end. Um, and he would sneak out to watch his second grade teacher through her windows. Creepy. Um, in a sexual way? Pardon? In what way? Like a sexual way, does it say? It doesn't say. I didn't find out anything in terms of that. I just, I read a quote somewhere. His little sister asked him, like, why don't you just kiss your teacher? And he was like, if I kiss her, then I'm going to have to kill her. So I think it was, it, it was definitely in a weird way, obviously, but... So um, he told interviewers that his favourite games as a child were gas chamber and electric chair, <laughs> both of which would involve his sister tying him up and Kemper pretending to die from gas inhalation or electric shock. It's not, <laughs> it's not funny. I just like the idea that his sister's just playing along. <laughs> poor little sister. Um, so as a child, Kemper had a close relationship with his father, Ed Kemper II, and was devastated when his parents divorced. His father was a war veteran and claimed about his wife that suicide missions in wartime in the atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with her. <laughs> Can you imagine your ex-husband saying that about you? What did he say? What did she say? Um, he said that suicide missions in wartime and the atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with her. <laughs> Rude. I can't imagine that someone being said someone saying that about you I think I would just like shrivel up in it so um after the separation his mother who was described as a raging alcoholic took him and his sisters to live in Montana and um, Kemper and his mother had a severely dysfunctional and abusive relationship in which she would make him sleep locked up in the basement she continually humiliated and abused him and would not show him any affection because she didn't want to turn him gay she okay. it. She repeatedly mocked him for his size as at age 15 he already stood at six foot four and eventually grew to the height of six foot nine once he'd like completed puberty. My guy was huge. No wonder you like him. I'll shut my mouth, man. <laughs> I just find him fascinating and he's so clever. Yeah, I do like it. And he's like the way he carries himself. He seems really <laughs> gentle. Not that I know him, but just how he was in Mind Hunter. Maybe you just we just like that actor. Let's just yeah, put it that way. I think we do. Yeah, I get you. Um, so at age fourteen, Kemper ran blah, 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 ran away back to California in an effort to reconcile with his father, where he then learned that his father had remarried and had another son. Sad. Um, he remained with his father for a while until Ed Kemper Senior sent him to live with his grandparents on a ranch. It was during this time that at age 15, Kemper committed his first two murders, that of his grandparents. So after an argument with his grandmother, who he described as someone who often emasculated him and his grandfather, he shot her once in the head, twice in the back, and then stabbed her multiple times post-mortem. When his grandfather returned from shopping, he met him in the driveway and shot him dead too. He called his mother straight away. Oh, my boobs itchy. He called his mother straight away as he was unsure as unsure what to do I'm getting loads of spit in my mouth and she advised him to call the police (laughs) when taken into custody Kemper said that he just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma and said he killed his grandfather purely because he didn't want him to see his wife dead oh that's that's nice of him yeah I know he's really thoughtful sweet boy (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so court psychiatrist who interviewed him after these acts couldn't fathom how a 15 year old could commit them and he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic and sent to a maximum security state hospital whilst in this facility Kemper was a model prisoner and was observed to be extremely intelligent the California Youth Authority psychiatrist who monitored him in the hospital saw no evidence of delusions or hallucinations as his previous diagnosis would suggest. So what I hadn't mentioned before, I think we spoke about at the beginning, was that Kempar had an extremely high IQ of 145 and he was very aware of his intellectual superiority, which comes into play a little bit later. So I think most serial killers are really intelligent, aren't they? There's only yeah. a few that are just absolute fucking stupid well some of them aren't smart enough to get away with it clearly no no so during his time at the state hospital Kemper developed some new tests and scales on the Minnesota multifacet personality inventory so this was a standardized test of adult personality and psychopathology that was a mouthful it was the first point of call in diagnosing certain certain illnesses at the time such as bipolar for example and was used to develop treatment plans and such this is key as long as along with his high IQ after his second arrest, Kemper said that this that being able to understand how these tests worked allowed him to further manipulate his psychiatrist. This is such a mouthful, God. So he was smart enough to kind of outsmart his own psychologist, psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in Mindhunter, that guy, he, that's not, no, never mind. I was going to say that's not really his psychiatrist. So he, but he, he did actually, he didn't, and he outsmart him as well. Yeah, he tells you what he knows that you want to hear because he's already like worked you out. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So he can manipulate you, which is how he convinced Holden in Mindhunter to go to his hospital room when he tried to commit suicide. You get me? Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I think like it seems the way they portray him is like he's a gentle giant. Well, obviously, we know there's more to that. Well, exactly. Um. So Kemper was released on parole on his 21st birthday and was released into the care of his mother, despite this being against the recommendations of the hospital psychiatrist. Kemper managed to demonstrate to them that he was fully rehabilitated to the point where his juvenile records were permanently expunged. He attended community college as one of his parole requirements and had hoped to become a police officer, but was rejected due to his height. He maintained friendly relationships with the Santa Cruz police and would join them at their local hangout bar called Jurism. This is another thing that they say they always do. They, like, remain friendly and, like, in the folds of the law enforcement. Because he wanted to be a police officer, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Which is weird, considering what you did, but YOLO. Um, so Kemper gained employment with the State of California Division of Highways, and managed to save enough money to move out of his mother's apartment, with whom he was still engaging in a hostile or toxic relationship. He claimed he could still never be, never truly get away from her as she constantly called him and showed up at his apartment unannounced. During this time, Kemper met a girl to whom he became engaged to, but this engagement was broken off after his second arrest in 1973. It was during 1969 that Kemper began picking up young female hitchhikers, He counted around 150, but this was before he began to feel homicidal sexual urges. So he didn't do, he didn't rape them, didn't kill them at this point. 
Between May 1972 and April 1973, Kemper killed eight people. His modus operandi was to pick up the hitchhikers, take them to isolated areas where he would sh- <gasps> where he would shoot, stab, smother, or strangle them. He would take their bodies home, decapitate them, perform a ramatio on the severed heads, and that is where it's not fellatio, but it's like you force fuck them in the mouth, basically. Like rape fellatio. Rape fellatio, basically. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. How do you pronounce um, ramatio? Yeah. <laughs> basically um he would then have sex with the corpses and then dismember the bodies the eight victims were five college students a high school student his mother's best friend and saving the best till last his own mother both kemper and his psychiatrist have stated that the other victims were all surrogates for his ultimate target his mother <sighs> so it, mummy issues he has severe mummy issues she sounds like a right bitch though doesn't she yeah she does to be fair yeah so um, it wasn't until after the first four victims that there was heightened suspicion in the Santa Cruz area that there was a serial killer preying on hitchhiking crowds. Students were advised to only accept lifts from cars with university stickers on them. So, plot twist, Kemper's mum worked at the University of California, Santa Cruz, meaning that Kemper had access to such stickers and had one on his car, and this was how he came to kill his final two crowds. So... That's six victims done. So now we reach the final two, which is his mother and her best friend. So I'll briefly tell you what happened to the best friend because that's a little bit boring. Um, So he invited the mother's best friend over for dinner and a film really randomly. And she accepted. I don't know why. Um, But upon her arrival, he immediately strangled her to death and hid her in the closet. So that was easy, quick and easy. (laughs) Well, not quick and easy, but you know what I mean. Um, Okay. So that night, whilst his mother was sleeping, Kemper bludgeoned her with a hammer and slit her throat. He decapitated her and engaged in a ratio with her head, oh disgusting, and subsequently used the head as a dartboard. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but where do you, where does this come into your head? Do you know what I mean? Ah, oh, God. Um, it is said that he put the head on a shelf and screamed at it for hours before ultimately <laughs> smashing her face in. <laughs> Oh, I feel like he just had a lot to get off his chest, you know? That poor woman. Oh, no. Kemper removed her tongue and larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. He later said that that seems appropriate as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over the years. He then hid the corpse in a closet and went out for a drink at a nearby bar before then inviting her friend over, as I said before. So, believing he was the target of an active manhunt, Kemper fled 1,000 miles to Colorado and after hearing nothing on the news, he turned himself in for the murders of his mother and her friend to one of the officers that he knew personally. Whilst in custody, he confessed to the six to the murders of the six students as well. When he was questioned as to why he turned himself in, Kemper said, the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. So I'm guessing that means that he's killed his ultimate target, his mum. So it's all pointless now. What about the co-eds? Like, what was his... I get, I, I don't understand him killing his mum, but I get it, because that was the ultimate goal. But then everyone else. When you research him, he always kills after he has an argument with his mum. Like, he just gets so angry. So then I think he just does what he wants to do to her, but to someone else. That's not You get me? That's just not fair. I mean, it's not fair, no. But 
These guys don't care about Claire, do they? No. Is he still alive? Yeah, he is. We're getting there. So Kemper was indicted with eight counts of first-degree murder and was advised to plead not guilty by reason of insanity due to the fact that his confessions were explicit and full of detail. <laughs> He's an idiot. Um, whilst in custody, Kemper attempted to commit suicide twice. The court-appointed psychiatrist found Kemper to be legally sane and one of them, called Dr Ford, interviewed Kemper and used truth theorem and managed to get a confession that Kemper had engaged in cannibalism whereby he consumed strips of flesh from his victim in a casserole. <laughs> um, it's not funny, it's just the casserole. <laughs> oh so we had time. I didn't, think, I didn't know he went to that level, to that extent. Neither did I. It's not mentioned in Mindhunter, but when you like dig a little bit deeper, yeah. Apparently, he he then later denied that he said that and retracted his confession. But, <laughs> but he didn't make the casserole. Yeah, it was determined that Kemper was fully aware during each murder and that he enjoyed the infamy associated with his crimes. So, on November eighth, nineteen seventy three, a jury declared Kemper guilty and sane on all counts, and he was sentenced to seven years to life each count. He then requested the death penalty, preferably death by torture. <laughs> Why would you do that? To be punished for what you did, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, or maybe to feel it because they're kind of like sick like that, aren't they? To feel pain. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But this wasn't possible. Um, I think because. California was not currently doing the death penalty at that point. They'd like to put a stop to it. Um, so he was instead cast incarcerated. So he was instead incarcerated in <laughs> the California medical facility with the likes of people like Charles Manson. Kemper was again a model prisoner, but was continually denied parole due to the enormity of his crimes. Kemper is still alive, still in the same medical facility, and is next up for parole in 2024. However, he had a stroke, I think maybe like 10 years ago, so he is now classed as medically disabled, I think. He's not going to get out. He's not going to get out. The judge said that even though he's like a model prisoner, and he's done, you know how like, oh, what's that, what are they called? You know, audiobooks. Does he? He's been, yeah, he's done so many of them because he's got a really nice voice apparently. Um, so he's done loads of audiobooks and he's just been really helpful in prison apparently and done loads of wonderful things. But they said that due to his crimes, it doesn't matter that he's a model prisoner because you did, you did what you did. And he is, he is literally a psychopath, isn't he? Or yeah, yeah. sociopath. Yeah, sociopath. That's what they said. He's so clever, like... Yeah. So yeah, that's Ed Kemper. Yep. There was so much detail. I could have gone into detail about every murder, but I just thought they're all the same. And the yeah. most important one was his mum. Yeah, I've I've kind of gone into like really basic detail on the ones that I'm going to speak about because he's got yeah. the sixty murders. Um, sixty. Wow, my guy only had ten, and three of them were family members. God forbid. That's crazy. There's some really weird people out there. Yeah, there are. Very weird. But yeah, so Ed Kemper, go watch Mindhunter. Get to know our boy Ed. He, he's and, not going to uh, be our boy. Let's not. We can't. We can't. Um... <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just winding you guys up. I promise I'm not weird. We just like... I just find him fascinating. That's what it is, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here's um, oh, okay. the vampire of Dusseldorf. I'm going to say. I've heard of this. I'm going to say it. I'm sorry if I can't pronounce any of these German names. Oh, um, Lord. Um, I'm struggling already. <laughs> His name is Peter Curtin. That's me putting on an accent. Curtin. I'll wake in Germany. Did you real good? <laughs> Didn't you shit all? I hate it. <laughs> those names, <laughs> those train stations. I just can't. I would not survive. Um, so Peter Curtin was born in. 1883 which is quite old um and he was born in a typical sociopathic upbringing so like you said with the triangle he was too he had the abusive family he had alcoholic parents um he well i'll go into it in a, a little bit but he also abused animals and things like that so he was one of 13 was oh. the third oldest of the family. I think back then it was quite normal, though. That's wild. Thing. I don't think it was. Um, and he would he would see a lot of abuse coming from the hands of his dad. Um, there was one story that I read that his dad had made all of the kids line up, um, and he made his his wife, their mother, strip off, and he made the kids watch them have sex. So it was like that level of I don't know at a young age being exposed to disgusting fucking disgusting it's not even an accident you're making them watch um and yeah that's nasty his dad was actually a, quite a piece of work he was actually jailed for repeatedly raping his eldest daughter um <sighs> and this thing about this girl he Peter Curtin the guy that who I'm talking about today also attempted to rape the same sister as well so it's like father like son oh he knows isn't it it's like i'm not excusing it but that's that's the life that he knows that's what he's been taught and that's what he thinks is normal yeah yeah and i think that's what's scary like about having kids that you're exposing them to your mishaps not mishaps that's a real flat mishap (laughs) i raped my daughter several times um so with this he he was born into craziness and he actually committed his first murders murders before he was even 10 he was nine years old and he'd killed two kids and one of them he forced to go swimming even though he knew that he couldn't swim and then when the second child saw that the boy was drowning he went in to save him and peter repeatedly stuck the boy's head under the water and drowned him I have read about this, yep. Yeah. What have you read? No, as in, like, I've heard of this story before. He's a madman. And the more I read about him, the more I realise that thing by the start at a long age. He started mm. animals when he um, befriended a dog catcher, one of his neighbours, and that dog catcher was actively abusing the animals and torturing them, and then he partook in that. Right. Yeah. On to his... Not his first murder, because obviously he killed those two kids at the age of 10. His first murder was Christine Klein, who was a nine-year-old girl. Um, He had a history of doing arson and burglaries, petty crimes and things like that. I saw this girl in one of his burglaries. He saw her asleep, um, so he decided he'd slash her throat 
well strangled her first then you slashed her throat and then it was apparently hearing the blood dripping from her neck to the floor he had sexual gratification and he ejaculated at the sound of it that's disgusting he the the one thing that i realized about this guy was that it was just really frequent he was like a couple days like a few people in within days of the last one um okay so that was 25th of may 1913 how would that how would that make him 1883 and my birth is 20 30 yeah, you're right exactly 30 he was 30 when he committed that crime um he he as soon as he murdered her he would actually he went to the pub opposite where he'd killed her just to hear how people would talk about the murder he also had like a gratification out of people talking about him but like not even being yeah. aware of it yeah i get you where am i yeah, yeah so he hadn't actually had an obsession with this because this is the first time he had the the sexual gratification he would actually go to her grave and like fondle the soil that she was breathing that's, like, that's so of it. I, I had to use the word fondle because it just didn't make sense to use anything else yeah, fondle is a good word. It's crazy. Two months after he murdered Christine, he did it again. He murdered a girl called Gertrude Franken. And again, he had sexual gratification and ejaculated watching blood come out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, there's just so many. After this murder, he went to jail for six years for that I mentioned. He was doing that a lot. And he actually said that the reason that he would he actually got satisfaction watching people burn. So actually, they would count as murder victims too. He liked watching hobos burn too. There was this, there's this level of sadistic mm. sadism. I don't know how to put it. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Um, but after he was released from jail in April 1921, he relocated to live with his, one of his sisters. I don't think it was the one he raped. Um, but through her, he met girl that he eventually married he married a woman called augustus august august so yeah with this marriage apparently he regularly engaged in sex with her but he would only he said he could only really consummate the marriage if he could think about the last murders that he did i just get why wouldn't you kill me that's such a weird question i don't know men men like to like him like to keep it separate don't they it's a bit like ted bundy then yeah, a lot of them do it though. Even Ed Kemper did it where he was engaged to someone. I wonder why. Jerry Brudos had a wife. Yeah. I don't know if you watched Hannibal, but the the fact that they can't kill their wife or their mother like Ed Kemper did, they just they put it out on anyone else that ends up looking a bit like them. Yeah. That was Ted's case, wasn't it? In Ted's case. Oh. I don't know if he was obsessed with his wife. Um what, Ed no, Ted Bundy. Because the girls were quite similar. They had that like brown hair. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know how you meet them and decide that you're not going to kill them. What is it about her? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Let's pray we're lucky enough not to experience that. Oh, don't. I think about it every time I go out. I'm really scared. Because yeah, I read somewhere, like an interview with a serial killer, I can't even remember. 
who it was now, but he said that once I find my victim and I set eyes on you, nothing can change my mind. So it's like you could see someone on the, on the bus one day and literally have no idea that you've changed his life and he's got his eyes on you. Do you know what that I mean? That sounds really creepy. But it is, it is creepy uh, though. How are you supposed to hide from that though? Just stay inside. Lockdown's a blessing then. Yeah. I suppose it's a lot less known to have serial killers around now because they know they just won't get away with it. Um. So after he got married... On February 8th, Curtin strangled another girl. I don't know what, what his obsession is with young girls. Maybe they're, like, helpless. A nine-year-old girl called Rosa Oliger, um, and he stabbed her in the stomach, temples, genitals, and the heart with a pair of scissors. And again, he spontaneously ejaculated as he knifed the child. This is the bit of the... This is the weird bit. He then inserted his semen into her, his, her vagina with his fingers, um, I don't. I don't know why. Maybe again, it's a power trip. Maybe he attempted to hide her body. He dragged it under a hedge, like great effort. Um, turning a couple of days later and burning, burning the body. And again, he ejaculated over the site of the flames. This guy's got serious issues. Like when you, when I think about his fetish, I don't know what it is. It is sexual gratification again, but then it's like even more specific to like seeing torture. I don't know. Yeah, I get what you mean. I just why did he just spontaneously ejaculate? Like control yourself. It's the thought of the blood. That I think that's what I was. What I was saying, taken as his fetish, was it was the blood. What yeah. I missed actually as a teenager. He did have a, a young girlfriend, but she wouldn't have sex with him. So in order to satisfy himself, he actually got into bestiality and was like raping sheep and other animals. And then again, I think this may be where it started. He would stab them animals as well whilst he would have sex with them. I think it's that level of, I don't know, I don't know the word to describe it. That's why he has he does it to kids as well because like animals and kids are they're very unaware they're like there's a level of innocence yeah that's true that's so weird i think a lot of not a lot of people no 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 some people put sex and violence together yeah and like take it too far i don't think that's changed though as well i feel like sex and violence still go hand in hand even today yeah like bdsm and stuff but I just have so many thought processes that I can't compute right now. Yeah, reading this, it was a bit shocking. Mm. Just the consistency. So that was on the 8th of Feb, he murdered Rosa Oliger. And five mm-hmm. days later, on the 13th, just before Valentine's Day, he murdered a 45-year-old mechanic named Rudolph. And he stabbed him 25 times in the head, the back and the eyes. Um, It was now that investigators were like, getting a flag and they linked that this was these three murders were done by the same person okay. so to change it up instead of using scissors he moved on to a knife and he continued to murder more people with that um on the 11th of august he then raped and strangled maria han he lured her into a meadow um and then he what did he do? He stabbed her in the chest and the head and he sat on her body waiting for her to die. Oh, 
um, he then buried her in the cornfield. He has this obsession with going back to the murder of mm-hmm. her body. So he tried to actually take her body and put it on a crucifixion um, and then hopefully get public awareness using that. But obviously he couldn't do that because the body was too heavy for him. Weak ass bitch. Oh man. So that was 11th of August. 21st of August, he randomly stabbed an 18-year-old girl, a 30-year-old man and a 37-year-old woman. All on the same day in separate attacks. I feel why. God, slow down. I just, I don't, I, that maybe there's just... What's the word? Is his sexual drive too high? Maybe. I don't know. He just sounds out of control. Yeah, he definitely is. Three days after that triple murder he did on the 21st of August... He actually saw two young girls, two sisters, five and 14, walking home from the fairground. Um, And he sent the older girl, Louise Lenzen, who's 14, to run run an errand for him to grab cigarettes. And at this point, he took the five-year-old girl and he strangled her unconscious before cutting her throat and then discarding her body in a hedge. Um, and then when the sister arrived, she saw that she saw what had happened. He also strangled her before stabbing her in the torso. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, stabbing her in the torso and then leaving the bodies there. He just, once he starts, you can't stop. That's both those parents, that's both their kids now. That's both their kids, yeah. There's, there's just murder after murder with this guy. Yeah, he's literally got no control over himself. There was, wow. there's just so many. There was another one where there was a 27 year old maid called Gertrude Schult, oh. and he openly asked her like lip text, and she said no, she didn't want to have it. So then he shouted, "Well, die then!" and repeatedly stabbed her in stabbed her in the head, neck, shoulder, and back. Don't stab me in the head. That's hard. I'm sorry. Actually, I don't know. If I was to die, I'd rather it be quick. In the head, though, that's just so violent. I wonder, I'd rather not be stabbed at all, but I'm just, yeah, if we have to. <laughs> in the head, in the temples, sounds terrifying. In the eyes, it sounds terrifying. In the head, you have to get through my skull, you have to be angry. Your adrenaline has to be pumping to use the strength to get through my skull. Depends on the weapon, though. No, he was using a knife. Yeah, I just don't think that's like a lot of effort. Um, and struggling people as well. Struggling people takes a lot of your energy. I think that's probably why he did it to a lot of kids because they're like a lot easier to like. Because he's the weak ass bitch for sure. Not not those poor girls. Um, so after this, he tried to mix it up. Um, mix it up using a knife. Oh he now used hammers. Okay, so. On the 30th of September, my birthday, he came across a 31-year-old servant girl. Um, Her name was Ida. What did he do to Ida? He actually killed her near the Rhine River. Is that where we were, near Frankfurt? That's not Rhine. Yeah, along the river. Was it called Rhine? Mm. Wow, so we've been there. Oh, we didn't think of like that, did we? The amount of people that have died, you know, near that location um 
you know what we should do? We should go on a serial killer tour one day. I think we should. Like Brick Lane is obviously Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. White Chapel and all that ends. Yeah, I really want to do a walking tour, Jack the Ripper, one day. Let's I do it. I don't mind that, to be honest. I, I think it's COVID friendly, right? Maybe over the summer, during think... the summer, springtime. Yeah, I don't want to do it when it gets dark early. I'm scared. But then that might add to it. That's very true. Will you hold my yeah. hand? Okay, cool. Well, let's do it and then we can get mulled wine at the yeah, end. Yeah, it's not bad as a Christmas thing. Yeah, okay, cool. We'll look into it. Sorry, guys. Off on a tangent. <laughs> if you want to if you want to come with us, let us know. <laughs> Wash your own meetup. Wine and cry. Oh, we didn't have any wine today. To be fair, it's working hours. We didn't. It's a working day, guys. Sorry, just imagine that we're having red wine. Or not. <laughs> um, so he actually hammered Ida in the head. And then he raped her. I just, I just can't understand this guy. Um, 11 days later, on the 11th of August, uh, August, October, he um, murdered a young girl called Elizabeth Doria outside a theatre. He hammered her as well. He, he, the thing is, this guy, he's not handsome, not in my and your eyes, I would say. He's not. But I'm guessing back then he had this like charm and he was able to attract these women and take them to like cafes before leading them to their death. Because that's like a running theme. I'm gonna Google him real quick. Just sorry if you hear my type in. Now that you said that vampire of Dusseldorf, he's, he's not cute. Well, he's not cute in my opinion, and I don't think you'd find him cute either. Peter Curtin. He feels weird saying that about a murderer, but yeah. Yeah, he's not cute at all. He looks really scary. There's like death in his eyes. There's a picture of him with a Hitler moustache. He does have a Hitler moustache. Oh, my God. It was around that time, though, to be fair. I'm sure it was in the fashion. Ugh. There's a quote from when he was going to die. Okay, so he says his last words are, this is so disgusting, his last words are, after my head has been chopped off, will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from my neck? That would be the best pleasure to end all pleasure. This is his fetish. That's nasty. So to like jump to that part, because obviously he gets found. Uh, before that, November November 1929, he killed another child. Let me not rush over that. Her name was Gertrude Alberman. Um, and he persuaded the girl to, he led the girl into a allotment where that's where he, again, strangled her and stabbed her in the left temple with scissors. Not the temple. Stop just it. loves stabbing kids. He stabbed. That just really upset He stabbed me. her a further 34 times in the temple and the chest. Um, and then just left her in a pair, of, in, not in a pair of nettles, in a pile of nettles. That was, he just. What? In stinging nettles, after you've stabbed me, is the stabbing not enough? You want me to get stung as well? That's rude. He is a rude guy. I just, I, I, oh, I can't go with the fact that he kills a lot of kids. Yeah, I don't. Not it. It it's excusable if he'd done it to adults, but children, they're defenseless. He's a fucking coward. Yeah, and I, that again, I, I genuinely think it's from animals. Like that's where it starts. With that, they're not going to fight back. So now we're getting into the investigation of it. In the background, everybody is is actually trying to find this guy who they have named mm-hmm. the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Um, okay. There was 
over 13,000 letters received. What to the police? Yeah, to like surrounding police. Because throughout this time, he is traveling from location to location. He's not staying in one place. Um, and over 9,000 individuals were interviewed about this. And 2,650 Lou's were painstakingly pursued. People had, the police actually had a list of 900,000 different names of a potential suspect. So it's like, it seems like they would never find him. Yeah. Okay, so actually, I forgot to mention this. So Maria Hahn, the girl he wanted to crucify properly for the public, he actually, instead of doing the crucifixion, he actually sent the police a letter of where to find the body. Um, So that was a while ago. And in that, actually, he had also sent a newspaper. Um, he's a bit like the Zodiac Killer. He sent the newspaper the same kind of letter. Yeah. Okay. So they had that clue. They had some handwriting. He's. I don't get. They get like a level of satisfaction from admitting their crime, but like not being found. Yeah, I think it's the they feel superior because they're cleverer than the police. And they want they want the infamy. It's like what they what I said about Ed Kemper, that the his psychiatrist said he likes the infamy associated with what he's done. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, same with this guy. I reckon he knew that. There's a picture of him here. His hip mustache is yeah. ugly. He's so ugly. He really is. But I guess some ladies liked that. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Ooh. Um. Okay. So we're getting to the part where he gets found. So he'd Maria Budlick. She had she's 20 years old. She'd come to Düsseldorf and she was approached by an unknown guy who was kind of like hounding her. Um this guy, Peter Curtin, Peter, I'm gonna say it in a German accent, Peter Curtin, um, approached her and asked her, like, are you being hounded by this guy? And he tried to play chivalrous and, like, was like, I'll, I'll lead you to the hostel. In doing so, he actually led her to a forest um, where he tried to attempt to have sex with her and strangle her, but she managed to actually get away. Yes. What did she do? No! Budlick did not report this assault to the police, but described her ordeal to in a letter to a friend, although she addressed the letter incorrectly. As such, the letter was opened at the post office by the clerk. Is it clerk or clerk? Clerk, clerk on 19th of May. Upon reading the contents of the letter, this clerk forwarded the letter to Dusseldorf police. So she described her ordeal. It's like if I was sending you a text message. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> The letter was read by the chief inspector, who assumed there was a slim chance Budlick's assailant was the vampire of Dusseldorf. Correct. Ding, 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 the ding. chief inspector interviewed Budlick, who recounted her ordeal, further divulging one of the reasons Curtin had spared her was because she had falsely informed him that she could not remember his address. She agreed to lead the police to Curtin's home on Metmanner Straub. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, when the landlady of the property let Budlick into the room of 71 Metmaner Straub, Budlick confirmed that this was indeed the address of her assailant. 
as i.e. Peter. The lady, the landlady confirmed to the chief inspector the tenant's name was Peter Curtin. So he was finally found. Yay! You let go. That will or will bring justice. Yeah, it always is. Oh god. I'm surprised. Do you think he knew that he she was he was gonna get found? No. They're always really cocky, aren't they? He doesn't sound any different, the amount of people he's killed. I don't think he's tired of it. Okay. So I was not home when the chief inspector and Budlick went to their to the property. Um, but he'd seen that people were going in, so he kind of ran away, ran. Um he knowing his identity was now known to the police and suspecting that they may have connected him to the crimes committed as the vampire of Dusseldorf. Captain finally yeah. confessed to his wife that he had raped Budlick and that because of his previous conviction where he's been jailed before, he may receive 15 years penal labour. Um, so he didn't even admit to the other murders he just raped her he just raped he just admitted to raping this girl Budley. what did his wife do his wife doesn't have a job so with his wife's con- consent he moved he ran um and he she told him that he shouldn't return home until like the 23rd of may i don't know what the significance is of that date the anniversary <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is <laughs> When he did return, that was when he admitted to his wife that she he, he she was the vampire. He was the vampire. Um, and he told her, like, if you hand me in, you'd get the reward. So there's there's a little no, I was gonna say there's a little bit of love here, but let's not let's not romanticize him admitting. No, let's not. <laughs> um, so that is what she did. She gave the information to the detectives. Um, and she said even though she had known her husband had been repeatedly imprisoned in the past, she was unaware of any of the murders. She then added, he was willing to confess to the police. Oh, what a big man. Um, yeah. So then he met her the next following day at St. Rockus Church. And then that is, that is where he got arrested at gunpoint. At gunpoint? You never know. So that's true. He com- he confessed to all of the crimes, to the unsolved murders of Christine Klein and Gertrude Franken way back in 1913. He also admitted to 68 crimes, including 10 murders and 31 attempted murders. He made no excuses for his crime, but basically saying that the reason that he killed them was because he suffered in his life. But then you can't do that to other people. No, exactly. It's a bit like Ed Kemper. He was building up to his mom. Clearly, this guy wants to kill his dad or something like that. Or he wants to be his dad or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's a very disturbing. Um, he also admitted to psychiatrists that it was the actual sight of the victim's blood on many occasions is pretty much why he did it, because that would bring him to orgasm. That's disgusting. So he didn't even need to touch him. No, not really. It would just spontaneously happen, just seeing the blood. He's further claimed to have drunk the blood from the throat of one victim, from the temple of another, and to have licked the blood from the third victim's hand. Um, 
he's he's actually drunk so much blood he had drunk so much blood from the neck wound he had done to maria han the girl he wanted to crucify that he actually vomited and there was this weird weird one he actually admitted to decapitating a swan and drinking the blood from the animal's neck and he ejaculated over that as well so clearly it's not a specific type it's just the thought of blood that was his yeah whatever whatever he can get his hands yeah what pervert um so on the 13th of april 1931 he was charged with nine counts of murder and seven of attempted murder but we all know we all know that he's done loads more than that he he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity to each charge i don't i don't fully understand that so he's saying that he's not he didn't kill them because he was insane and he was not in the right state of mind that's that's what that means right he's saying he did kill them but it's not his fault because he is insane he couldn't help it oh Sorry, I'm really gassy today. So that's what Ed Kemp tried to do, isn't it? But then the psychiatrist um, said that he was of sound mind, like he was really aware of what he was doing. He tried to say to the juries on his at his trial that um, it's like there's two people inside of him, and he the good one blacks out when the bad one comes and does the stuff. Is that? But they saw. Is that not schizophrenia? Like, I wonder what. Yeah, so he's clever. He's like playing up to his very first diagnosis, even though he's never displayed schizophrenic uh, tendencies. Oh, I don't know, to be honest. There's different levels to it, isn't there? He's never ever mentioned like hallucinations or anything like that. And I think that's like the first sign of it. I've really, I've really. I think Ed Kemper was smart enough and he just played up. And I don't think he really was. I don't think he was anything. I think he was absolutely yeah. fine. He was just a bit just messed, a bit messed up from the relationship he had with his mum. Yeah. And he just hated all women because of it. It's a weird relationship. It's amazing. I don't know. This all just puts me off having kids for sure. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to yeah. kill me one day. Yeah, exactly. You just don't know. Um, yeah, no, you really don't. So his conviction, his trial lasted 10 days and on... 22nd of April the verdict had decided deliberated for like two hours and reached their verdict he was found guilty and sentenced to death which is what you were saying he got he got the guillotine where they cut off what's that it's really old school I'm surprised that was what it goes down cuts not on your head but like you put your neck in a little hole and then it slices your head off your head is still functioning for like 15 minutes after so maybe he did hear the gushing and who knows what his body did you can still talk can't you for like seven minutes or something yeah it's weird you still you yeah you're obviously your brain's in your head so that part can function a bit yeah i don't like that um so on the 1st of july 1931 his last meal was a Wiener schnitzel, a bottle of white wine, and fried potatoes. Um, and he, <laughs> I don't know, but he says here that he asked for second helping. I don't know what the relevance is. <laughs> what a greedy bastard. Um, he walked unassisted to the guillotine. Gil- um, and then that was it. 
flanked by a prison psychiatrist and a priest. And then that's it. Oh, and then he said that line that you said, tell me after my chop- my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear at least for a moment the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. Death. Ghost then. Yep, that was, that was it. Um, I think it's very clear who's won today. You or me? I don't know. Mine was so yeah, long. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yours was not. Mine was so short. I didn't. I feel, I didn't want to go into too much detail, but I really wish I had now. But none of it would ever have been as good as what you. He didn't. But is it? It's not. It's not really. It's not the quality. It's the fact there was so much quantity to the deaths that he did. There was just so. And it was. Sickening. And sickening. And there's actually this little part here that his head was actually mummified. That's disgusting. I've seen, I've read about that. Why would they mummify it? For the what brain reason? was removed and subjected to forensic analysis in to understand mm-hmm. his personality and behaviour. He had no abnormalities. So he was physically normal. Mm-hmm. He just had a bad experience. But yeah, that's um, Peter. Peter. Kjartan. Kjartan. It's got the, it's the U with the two dots. Well, there you go. So you are this week's winner. Big love. You're going to vote for yourself and I'm voting for you. That was really interesting. I thoroughly enjoyed that. So you get to pick the next topic. I don't know what I'm going to do. All right, guys. Should we end it here? We should end it here. Next time. Um, thanks for listening, guys. We'll definitely have next time. 100%. And I wanted to say thank you for everyone who engaged in our little Halloween poll. Yes, that was fun. That who was won that, fun. actually? We didn't look into it. I didn't look. I think you did. Out of the three that we posted, two of yours won. But you cheated because you voted for your own one with our podcast. Did you hear that, guys? We can take we can take off um, a vote. <laughs> I mean, you still won anyway. The fact that people voted for us over what was the other one? Us again? No, it was Get Out. No, it was us against the Conjuring. Really hurt my feelings. I would have voted for Conjuring. Did I not? I think I voted for my own because that's just how we play the game. <laughs> yeah, vote for your own prize. No, us is a good guy. film. I still haven't seen it. I the one time I sat down to watch it, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to concentrate. You yeah. know, because I feel like it's a concentrating. I'm film. Still in, no, I don't think it is. Well, yeah, a little bit actually. You do have to pay attention. It's not. Just... Yeah. I might watch it this weekend. Yeah, I'm in the mood for horror movies. Me too. I just yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared too. I'll read. All right, boys. <sighs> Okay, wonderful. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Ciao.